0: Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a conversation with director Sofia Coppola, whose new film, Priscilla, will make its North American premiere as the centerpiece selection of the 61st New York Film Festival on October 6th. With Priscilla, Sofia Coppola has found a subject exquisitely tailored to her interests. Priscilla Presley, whose love affair and marriage to Elvis kept her in the public eye before she had truly experienced the world. In this archival conversation with Coppola, the director discusses her 2013 film The Bling Ring. Co-starring Emma Watson and Leslie Mann, The Bling Ring tells the story of a group of teenagers obsessed with fashion and celebrity that then burglarized celebrities' homes in Los Angeles. Tracking their target's whereabouts online, the Bling Ring breaks in and steal their designer clothes and possessions. Reflecting on the naivete of youth and the mistakes we all make when young, amplified by today's culture of celebrity and luxury brand obsession, we see through the members of the Bling Ring temptations that almost any teenager would feel. What starts out as teenage fun spins out of control and leaves us with a sobering view of our culture today. Don't miss Sofia Coppola's latest film, Priscilla, at the New York Film Festival. Passes are now on sale and going fast, and will be discounted through Thursday, August 17th. Get yours at filmlink.org passes. Now please enjoy the conversation between Sofia Coppola and moderator, and former director of the New York Film Festival, Kent Jones. This conversation was sponsored by HBO.
1: When did you? When did this this uh, story come on your radar?
2: I remember it being on the news um, about these teenagers robbing celebrities' houses. Mm. But sh- well, I should talk more I feel like That's... more an NPR MP- voice. I think. <laughs> I think I'm like,
1: um, do you want me to do like a garrison <laughs> keeler kind of voice yeah, yeah. um Kitchen.
2: so i i remember it was on the Hello, news Sophia. yeah um i remember it was on the news and um and not yeah it seemed like a crazy story but i didn't pay that much attention and then i was on the plane looking at a vanity fair and i read the article that nancy joe sales wrote and um and when i read the ar- the article and the quotes of the real kids, um, I got really interested in it. I thought, um, somebody has to be making a movie of this. Mm-hmm. And um, I never thought that I would, but I, I looked <laughs> into the rights. And um, and the rights were available. And I met Nancy Jo Sales, and she had all these interesting stories. And, um, and I just kept thinking about it. And um, so I started to think about, um, I've, I've never done a, something based on a true crime story and how I would approach that and, and still... In my style, or something that felt connected to me, and um, but really just reading her her tra- transcripts and and all the quotes for the real kids, um, just fascinated me, and I thought it, it had um, a lot of humor and mm-hmm. excitement, and um, and also I thought really said a lot about contemporary culture.
1: Yeah, because it had it must, I think in the material and then really in the film, it has this edge of kind of terror.
2: Yeah, it has a little bit of a horror, yeah. <laughs> sci-fi horror element to me.
1: Yeah. Mm. Maybe you mm. could argue that yeah. uh, Marie Antoinette is kind of based on a true crime story. People pillaged to plunder a nation. Mm, yeah, right? I never thought See? of that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've heard uh, comparisons and just all the, like, amount of shoes and uh-huh. things like that, but I didn't think about the <laughs> crime aspect. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm. I'm wondering if it was a long process to decide how you were going to tell the story because you tell it in a very unusual way, I think, where the, you know, there is a protagonist, but really our attention is shifted between all of these shifts between all of these different people. Um,
2: yeah, I tried to, um, I mean, when I first started working on the script, the biggest challenge was um, all the most of the characters were unsympathetic. So how do you um, want to watch a story where you don't care about the characters? And, and, and then the more I... Um, uh, researched it and read about them i i f- I, f- I tried to put myself in their mindset of how how they got involved in it and and then I connected to the main character of this boy who um kind of got uh taken in by this group of girls and wanted to be a part of the gang and belong and, and you know remembering that they're sixteen years old and 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 so you could understand where they were coming where he was coming from mm-hmm. and um and just that they're you know they're kids and they're trying to find their identity and their, you know, wanting to be part of some life that they think is glamorous and will make Mm -hmm. them people.
1: Mm -hmm. And they're also um, walking through their day with Adderall, coursing through their system. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, one of the girls did a reality TV show, so a lot of the home life was based on what I saw on her reality show.
1: Yeah. I mean, the story of her mother could make a film in and of itself. Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah, the show Pretty Wild has got a lot (laughs) in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I guess when you were casting and then when you were working with the actors, what kind of a tone did you try to set with them to get that sort of floating, disaffected feeling? Um,
2: well, it's important to me that, that it feel as natural and yeah. realistic as possible because the story is so over the top that it yeah. could have easily turned into a cartoon kind of mm-hmm. skit because um, a lot of their quotes are pretty sound ridiculous sounding but there there was um so it was important that they that the actors were all really sincere about their intentions so you could make it so it's believable Mm -hmm. but the um bless you the um uh one of the in the police reports one of the girls was arrested for stealing something from Lindsay Lohan's house and she yeah. asked the detective the only thing she said was well, what did Lindsay say yeah so I, I felt like these kind of quotes you know said so much where they where their thinking was
1: how much did you have to invent
2: um a lot of it was based on real details because that's what what I enjoyed so much about working on it mm-hmm. and learning about it was when I met the boy who was involved and he said that um, the main girl wanted to steal Paris Hilton's dog. Mm-hmm. I thought, like, I couldn't make that up, you know, how um, <laughs> extreme it was. So um, a lot of it was based on on the real story. And then and then I imagined, you know, just kind of remember being a, a teenager and spending a lot of time driving around listening to music and, and mm-hmm. you know, tried to personalize it as much as I could.
1: Mm-hmm. But then when um, Leslie Mann's character appears... The the um there's an interesting kind of shift in, in in tone I think because she's a little bit more overtly comic brilliantly I think yeah um and it's a little bit sort of like the parents in Peanuts or something yeah actually
2: yeah. I I like that the parents were that you really stay in the world of the kids and mm-hmm. they're not connected to the parents and you barely see the parents and it is kind of like that the way in Peanuts you barely you don't see them or they're garbled so I did want to have a real separation between the world of the kids and then um. The parents' world that they're not connected to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought of King of Comedy too. In what way? Um, when Rupert Pumpkins do, like doing his imaginary talk show, and his mom is calling. Him, he's like, "Hold on, mom!" Like, so Rupert! there's that. Yeah. yeah. So there's that element of kind of when you're a kid, and and they have their they're acting cool, and then how awkward they are in their real life.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because there is that sense of unreality too. Like Rupert Pumpkin, like they're kind yeah. of you know, walking through this fantasy version of, you know, um, the way that they li- that they think life should be, uh, yeah.
2: And, and yeah. And I was struck by, there was a clip of the real boy, um, that he posted on Facebook of he, he filmed himself, um, just like smoking a bong and dancing. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's really, um, you know, just so raw and personal, like w- watching it is, um, it's pretty embar- embarrassing because it's such a private moment mm-hmm. and, um, and he's feeling really cool, you know, feeling cool. And we, so we recreated that in the movie, but, but um, it just kind of shows that, um, yeah, they're kind of where they were in that age.
1: One thing that seems that I thought was really striking in the movie was that in general, I mean, there are a couple of exceptions, but all the interactions between all the kids are more or less desexualized. Like all of their attention is on things. Yeah, yeah. that's
2: what I, I, um, I thought that there wasn't any intimacy mm-hmm. and, um, and there wasn't sexuality. They were, they were just more excited by the stuff and, mm-hmm. and the glo you know, patent leather, she- the glossy stuff. But even the girls were looking sexy, but it was more just about to get attention or mm-hmm. they were more interested in fame and, and bling. I thought from, from this story.
1: Mm-hmm. In and his, then, yeah. yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, and the boy in real life, he was, um, you know, figuring out his sexuality and, and yeah. And um came out as gay after the story. So so I i always thought there was a love story between the main girl and boy, but it wasn't sexual. But he they that that way you have this really intense friendships when you're a teenager.
1: That seems really clear in the movie okay. without being stated, I think. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Um and was he really the one who was always saying, Come on, we gotta get out of here. Somebody could come any minute. Uh
2: he uh, he seemed like he was the definitely the ringleader was um, you know calling the shots and he yeah. was kind of keeping up with them yeah. I don't know if he got into it more but that was my impression from 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 talking to him and what I read that he um, that whenever he wanted to get out she's like let's just do one more and then mm-hmm. of course they get busted
1: and then more and more people started to just kind of call him on to the
2: yeah and they were bragging about it posting pictures on Facebook of them and their stuff and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, um, maybe we'll take a look at there We have a clip. Oh, okay. Uh, so maybe we can take a look at that now. Awesome. That's amazing.
0: Oh, oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Oh, oh, so, so, I like the feel of this. So, oh my god! This is so
1: mad
0: so cute. Mm. It's so cute. Oh, my Mm.
2: God. That was breaking into Paris Hilton's
1: house. Right. (laughs) As if you couldn't tell. Yeah.
2: (laughs)
0: And
2: and the best part is that's her real house that she let us film. Well, that's amazing. (laughs) I
1: I just found that out today. (laughs) I was... Oh, really? did, yeah, did you just give her a call and ask her, and she no, did it take convincing? Uh, or
2: I don't know how we came about to actually ask her, but um, Stephen Dorff, who was in somewhere, knew her and he knew I was working on on the script, and he said, "Oh, Paris Hilton's having a party. Do you want to go to her house?" And I said, "Yes, I I want to see her house." And um <laughs> and I and there were those pillows were really on the couches, and I got my picture taken with one of them, and um yeah. and I and, and did I, you post I, it on
1: Facebook? No, I don't have a Facebook. I don't <laughs> no, have it. That's, um, a, that's a joke. Yeah, yeah. I know. Mm. But um, and I'd heard about her <laughs> nightclub. Yeah, <laughs>
2: we know. Um, yeah. but anyway, she has a. I'd heard about her nightclub room, so I got to see that, and that's all in the movie. But um, yeah, so we saw her house, and and we asked her to do a cameo in the movie, and I don't know how we came about asking her to let us film in her house, but yeah. um, l- luckily she let us film there. We, have, yeah, we didn't have the budget to build.
1: That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Were any of the other houses actually the no, real thing? Yeah. No, hers
2: is the only one. The other ones we just invented our yeah. version. We kind of made a little bit more like glamorized version of Hollywood celebrity house.
1: Yeah. but people actually just kind of left their doors open, their keys under the mat, their wallets in their cars, uh, all that stuff. Yeah, I guess there's yeah. this
2: false sense of security, and a lot of yeah. Like also, she lives in a gated
1: community, and a
2: lot of the um, where the where they were opening cars and stuff they were but I guess it's just kind of a relaxed attitude <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah yeah
1: um I wanted to um talk about the extraordinary look of the film, and I, you know before we started we were you and I were talking about Harris Savides and uh who passed away um, and he was he was there on on the set of this film, and he was very involved in the visual design and Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i started um working with harris who he got ill during the filming so he had to leave and come back Mm -hmm. and and one of his um longtime assistant was the operator so he he filled in when harris couldn't be there and um yeah we we looked at references and talked about the look and he told me he wanted to shoot it on a digital on the red camera which Mm -hmm. i had never done before and um but i he's he was such a great artist i trusted whatever he thought and Mm -hmm. um so yeah it was a good introduction for me, and we um I remember showing him some Claire, the blonde actress you saw I remember showing him some pictures of her from her Facebook page and her like pink bikini and 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 pictures she took in her car, and you know different um kind of snapshots as of kind of the look of the mm-hmm. movie and um and uh and we you know, we talked about the um kind of the contrast between the beige suburban world mm-hmm. and the glittery night of the of the city and um and it was we were shooting the nightclubs and he would flash lights around and i thought he'd made a really beautiful look out of this world that um isn't so beautiful
1: Mm. um were there any other references outside of the uh you said that you talked over visual references
2: yeah i always um whenever i'm making a movie when i do the script i always put together um pictures that um look book of kind of the mood or the feeling so this one was more um tabloidy but i always look at tons of art books and look at um uh i can't remember specifically for this but Mm. just we look at pictures together and talk about um the feeling of it and and we were also mixing the surveillance video and um stuff online so it made sense to um to shoot it digitally
1: hmm. do you ever look at uh movies for reference
2: oh yeah not not so much for the photography but um i thought about over the edge and foxes mm-hmm. for this and i yeah. think i mentioned foxes to him yeah. and there's a shot where the girls are in bed at the beginning and it's really backlit and that yes. was kind of an homage to foxes yeah but i love that tradition of um teen bad kid yeah. movies so i wanted to make this in that tradition
1: and that's an essential bad kid movie Foxes oh yeah. yeah
2: yeah Foxes and Over the Edge and Over the yeah. Edge too
1: yeah metal and yeah um, and I wanted to ask you about I'm sure everyone who's seen the film was probably as astonished as I was by that incredible shot of them Walking through Orlando, what's supposed to be Orlando, Bloom's oh, the, little, house. the glass house on the hill. Yeah, uh, yeah. that was
2: a Harris shot that That's, he designed from across the street. The yeah. slow zoom. Yeah. Oh yeah, I um I was really grateful to Harris because he we were shooting all these robberies and we're trying to make each one look different. And yeah. um, when he saw the location photos of this glass house. Um, he said, "Oh, we have to shoot it from across the street," and and that was a hair shot that we we were running out of time. And we took it off the schedule at one point, and he really fought that we, we have to get that shot. Mm. So I'm I'm so glad because that is one of my favorite shots and a shot that people notice. It's love. stunning, yeah. but mm.
1: one and and one of the elements that I think makes it so stunning also is the sound of the yeah. coyotes and the sirens. Oh,
2: I um, I love working with Richard Beggs, who I've done all my films with, and um and he comes up with such uh. Whenever I see the movie after he's worked on it, it's, it's like a whole other thing. So he, I loved how we, we thought, oh, would we, I'm glad we didn't need to use music there and that he, he um, built the atmosphere with the other coyotes in the hills and just makes you feel like you're there.
1: Yeah, and like, sirens, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. 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 Um, tell me about the casting process for this film. I would imagine it might have been a little bit different from.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was really important for us to um, to put this. Gang of kids together, and and my casting team spent a year meeting young actors everywhere, and um, uh, and, and I was excited to to have some kids that have never been. Uh, it's their first movie for a few of them, and then um, they said, we should meet Emma Watson." They really liked her. I would have never thought of her for this kind of valley girl, mm-hmm. and um, and she had a really interesting um kind of take on it, and um. Yeah so she she studied her Calabasas accent and, um, <laughs> and and took it really seriously yeah. and then um and then the other kids were um there's one girl from Chicago and uh one girl from LA the blonde who's like a real LA girl so she was um sort of our consultant mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah she she helped us through cuz she was the only one that was really from there and um and uh one girl from uh, Taysa uh, Farmiga, whose yeah. sister is Vera F- Farmiga. Vera yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really, we just met tons of kids, and then you, we kind of would put all their pictures up on the wall and look how they felt as a group, and because they had to work together, and, and then we did rehearsals before filming, and they spent a lot of time together. So, by the time we started shooting, they felt like um, a, a friends, and they had kind of a rapport that I, I think comes through.
1: Do you let um, the actors get? to the set and work out their blocking on, on, on set to be inspired by the sets themselves?
2: Yeah. I've never been able to shot list or plan yeah. before I see the actors on set and, mm. and, and then let them do what feels natural in the environment. Yeah. And then we plan how we're going to shoot it around that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, I have an idea of what I want it to look like, but then we get on set and then um, I always try to see what, what feels right to them. Mm. And then we figure it out together.
1: And you're always, I, I, it looks like you're always trying to surprise yourself. Yeah,
2: yeah, I try to keep it. Um, uh, it's not. It's not too planned out. I try to be flexible and yeah. and um, you know open to to what happens because you don't. Yeah, you don't really know until you get there, and, and you try things
1: out. I, I mean, that, that leads me to a, a, a broader question about all of your work, which is I, I have this impression, that maybe this is something that we can talk about or not. That when you make a film, you're in pursuit of something that's almost so delicate that it's unnameable um and that you want to um let things happen that are i, I mean sometimes in your movies there's a spell that's cast it's almost very difficult to uh to write about or to talk about oh that's um,
2: nice i don't know um no <laughs> that's cool i i feel like and i don't know if somebody said this or i imagine it but you, it's like i'm trying to remember a dream like you have a I think when you start a movie, you have like an impression of Mm. what it feels like, or, but I'm not ever sure exactly what what it is. And, and a lot of times I don't know why I'm drawn to something until after. Like I try not to analyze them. I just Mm -hmm. try to go along with it. And then, and then later I can say, see how that connects to something. But I I try to, I try to be intuitive as much as I can. And I, usually when I'm writing it, I have a, a sense of the, the atmosphere, just sort of the feeling of the look or the music. And, um, but I'm not really sure where, where it's co- where it's going. Mm-hmm. But you're mm-hmm. trying
1: to protect something, preserve something that you, I guess whatever,
2: whatever initially sparked your I- interest. I try yeah. to, um, I try to capture that or stick with that. Mm-hmm. But, um,
1: that's what yeah. I think Stanley Kubrick said something like that. He said, oh, really? that's, <laughs> that's what you spend all of your time doing is trying to protect that little
2: kernel of something mm-hmm. that, yeah. Like, yeah yeah um but yeah for me it's it's um yeah trying to find um you find your way you you start off with a, an idea and then you you try to find it i guess
1: mm. um in this particular movie, did you see things as you were shooting it tip a little bit more in the direction of comedy sometimes or I,
2: I always like things that have um that have some hu- humor to them, and I thought yeah. the story had a lot of hu- humor just in the kind of but in a in a touching way, and just like the absurd things in, in life, and um, and because their are kids making these kind of crazy decisions, and mm-hmm. so I tried to um, yeah, I always enjoy that part and the fact that you know that they really said oh Paris probably leaves her keys under the mat, and they went there and they really were under the <laughs> mat. Like um, so, I en- I enjoy all those kind of details, and um, and so I try to to put those in, but um, but you know it's always in a try to be naturalistic or or subtle Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know if i would know how to do like full-on comedy even though i enjoy that
1: yeah you're trying to catch a way of behaving a way of living yeah
2: and it's always like kind of the funny little details that that i like
1: yeah um have the people who uh whose houses were robbed seen the film
2: i don't think so just paris Uh yeah Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. She was really into it. She she came to our premiere and okay. she, she said she got emotional when she saw them in her house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
1: So has all that changed? Do they now have you know
2: security? Yeah,
1: twenty four hour security oh, guards and. I don't know. know.
2: I'm sure. I'm sure after all that, people are more more careful.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Okay.
2: But I wasn't thinking so much about um, the victims or or I was really yeah. trying to stay in the point of view of the kids in yeah. the story, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll take some questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. I uh, you know we have a mic. Yeah, right there.
2: Hi. Um, Sophia, I was wondering, with a great deal of your movies, you uh, marriage um, a certain time period with music, Um for like with Marie Antoinette, you had the 80s rock and um, so you had more of an atmospheric um, vibe with um, somewhere. Um, ha, um, would you describe the uh, music that accompanies um, the Bling Ring? Oh, um, I tried to have um, music that the, the kids would really be listening to. So there's more like hip hop songs and stuff that I would normally listen to. And um, and I wanted to have... The, um, the energy of um, these kids on this thrill ride. So, um, so I picked music that that had that feeling. And there's a, um, a song by Sleigh Bells that is the opening of the movie that I was listening to that, and I pictured the opening of the movie and was writing it to that song. And I played that song on set. So um, it, this movie, I think, has a kind of hyper obnoxious feeling, and I wanted that to be in in all the elements.
1: What do you mean hyper obnoxious feeling? <laughs>
2: Seriously. D- yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I um. Well, after after somewhere was so slow and minimal. Um. Yeah. I was when I read the story, I was just in the mood to do something fast paced and kind of just um, not bright colors and yeah, yeah, yeah. fast cutting yeah. and okay. loud music and um and not as tasteful. It's <laughs> <I guess laughs> like you know more contemplative. Yes. Yeah. 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 Less minimal. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Brad Balfour. Yes.
2: Um did the uh did the actors get a chance to talk to the kids? Did you get a chance to talk to the kids and what I I'm, I want to look inside that conversation and also what you guys talked about once you've seen these houses? What what did everybody feel conspicuous consumption or did they want to walk away with the bomb or not? Oh, um I met uh one of the girls and one of the boys of the real burglary ring um but the actors never met them and um I yeah I just was trying to learn as much as I could about their point of view and and the boy was the most helpful because he um you know he talked about it and I could tell that it was this great th- thrill but then of course he was about he was on his way to jail and what it had done to his life so it was, it was he was also remorseful and um and I think it was just hearing his perspective and, and the kind of little details that he told me about how they would steal cars, like no big deal. And, um, so that was helpful and interesting. And then, and the girl was, um, still talking about how she wasn't involved, which was, <laughs> you know, the other side of it. So, um, but yeah, but I've, I only met them you know kind of briefly and, um, but the real, the actors didn't meet them. And, um, would you asked what, what we thought of the houses? Like, well,
1: or did anybody talk, discuss, have a conversation about, you
2: know, the excess? The theme, um We just talked about kind of, we stayed in the, you know, talked about what these characters were into and kind of tried to stay focused on that. I think the, the kids, the actors were, you know, aware of that, but um because they're not like the kids in the movies at all and they weren't into that stuff and so they had to kind of Find a way to get in, into it, and um, we had to tell the boy how to pronounce Dior and things like that. <laughs> he said Dwar. We did like a reading, and um, so yeah, they had to find a way to get into it. But they they all have a good perspective of because uh, the story so extreme.
1: I mean, and that raises a question, which is: Do you, as a director, ever discuss um, the underlying theme with the actors, or do you find that a, a helpful thing to do?
2: I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't like to. Um, get out of it. I like to stay mm-hmm. in the yeah. in the moment, and stay in the point of view. And I had them watch movies that glorified bur- uh ro- robberies and they watched um Thomas Crown Affair yeah, and Ocean's 11 and mm-hmm. I wanted them to stay in the mindset of the characters that that, that this was fun and yeah. and a thrill and and not and not look at, you know, the other side of it.
1: Yeah. take someone up here. Yes, in the back. Excuse
0: me. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to ask, I've seen all your films, except for this one, which comes out on my birthday, but okay. uh, <laughs> uh, how do you get great performances? Like, even with Elle Fanning in Somewhere and your first film, like, you really get good performances from young actors. How do you how do you go about doing that?
2: Oh, thank you. I think it's in the casting, just casting talented um, actors. Elle Fanning, I, um, when I met her, I just was so taken with her. I felt she can do anything, so yeah. I, I just... Um, kind of let her do her thing and you know we talked and um and i try to make the set as comfortable as possible and and also try to make the set close to the feeling of um what the scene is so when there's a party scene we'll really play music and, and try to make it feel like that and i think um i guess trying to make this atmosphere of the set close to what's going on in the scene helps but i think a lot of it's casting people that also that you you think um understand what you're trying to do so you talk about it and they get it um that helps and but thank you um I'm trying to think and then doing rehearsals like we do a lot of um in, improvisations together which um something I learned from my dad was um and on suicides we did was like building fake memories for your characters so on virgin suicides we rehearsed in the real house and they they made lunch together as a family and and did things together so that when we start filming they they haven't just met they have um you know these kind of memories of their characters and I I find that helpful, and then somewhere with Elle Fanning and Stephen Dorff, he he really would pick her up from school, and we went bowling, and you know stuff that the characters might do. So um, I, I find that helpful.
1: Thank you very much. You've really been an inspiration for me as a filmmaker. Thank you. Happy
2: it. birthday. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Were you able to rehearse a lot in the real spaces for the for the bling ring?
2: For this, um, this one we we um, we didn't get to rehearse so much in the real places because we were changing locations every day but i had them i had a friend leave their house one night in the hollywood hills and they had to break in Mm -hmm. to the house they had to find a way in and we told them things they had to take and um and then and they worked out a lot of their kind of robbery gang dynamics during Mm -hmm. that so um so we set up things like that but not actually the real places
1: yeah
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, hi sophia uh back here hi (laughs) how are you Thank you. Good. Um, the question I had for you was, um, and since I haven't seen the film, um, I don't know if there's any truth to these comparisons. It could be, you know, journalists being journalists. Um, but um, I've read reports that um, journalists are drawing comparisons of the bling ring to the March film Spring Breakers with Harmony Korine. And I was wondering if you think there are any truth to these comparisons, sort of like the girls being bad complex. And I was just curious to hear your thoughts on that comparison.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen Spring Breakers, but from my impression, from, from what I know about it, um, I can see people bringing it up to me. But um, I I feel like th- the approach of this movie is is a different point of view. It's not an like exploitation movie. And that one I feel like is more like an exploitation thrill ride with girls in bikinis and um so i feel like it's a different a different look but and it's also i don't know this is a a true story in that one but i i can see that there's kids dressing trashy and having bad behavior so in that way i feel like that's in the air but um but i feel like it's a different um a different uh kind of point of view of that and um okay (laughs) i hope that answers that
1: I think that I just want. I think that when Paul Schrader's movie The Canyons with Lindsay Lohan opens, that's going to be <laughs> brought into the conversation too.
2: When is that coming out? It's
1: actually at the beginning of August. Oh,
2: because I remember reading yeah. about it, and then uh,
1: um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was someone. Yeah, if you yeah, we're going to repeat you? the question because I'm She asked
2: if a lot of my characters, protagonists, are young women, and do is there an autobiographical aspect? Do you mean in this movie or all of my movies? No. Especially this movie about- oh, and this one um no it's it's probably the least personal of my movies but i um but i still you know put myself in it and try to find a way to connect to it but i think it was the biggest challenge to try to get myself in the point of view of, of these characters where lost in translation the girl was really based on things i was thinking about going through at that time so so that was different for me and um and that was yeah the biggest challenge was trying to i mean the the boy is the main character that i was trying to re, who i was relating to and to try to um remember being that age and and you know he's vulnerable and how you know how i could connect to to that in the character but there's different i feel yeah. like in like in somewhere there's parts of myself and the Dorf and in the Stephen Dorff character and and the L fanning. And, you know, I think with any character you, you find parts of yourself that it's aspects of you that you can relate to. Do
1: you, have you had the occasion to, to take a second look at some of your films after the fact and get a different perspective on them?
2: Yeah, I haven't. Um, it's funny cause I saw Virgin suicides at a screening and I hadn't watched it on a screen. Um, since we made it so yeah. it, was, it was fun to watch because enough time has passed that i could actually watch it and mm-hmm. feel like an audience and um but otherwise i haven't like i'll see a little clip on tv or something but i haven't really watched my yeah. my work <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's hard
1: to... Is it someone way in the back oh.
0: hello i'm just curious um being a third um, woman to win an Oscar and being from a um, third generation Oscar winning family have you ever experienced any type of uh, um, glass ceiling in such a male-dominated industry in directing
2: I think um, because I originate my own work and I'm um, I'm not up for jobs against people very much that I I don't feel that I feel like I I, I make my moves and I'm able to to make them but um but I'm sure, I mean, I've had, it, I've had experiences where, um, you know, I'm, I'm aware of that. And sometimes there's a, a boys club. But, um, but in general, I feel lucky that I've been able to, to you know, make the kind of films that I want to make.
1: Um, I'm wondering how um, you use the material from Pretty Wild because there was just so much of it um, that really showed exactly what was going on during the arrest and everything and if, like, Emma Watson watched it at all to get some inspiration for the character or anything like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was fascinating that these characters I was reading about had a reality show at home. And I'm sure they were acting up for the cameras and kind of wasn't, I don't know how realistic it was. But I definitely got a lot from the home life from them. And um, I don't know, I think I just watched it until I kind of had had enough of it. And, um <laughs> And just took um, the stuff that stood out in, in my mind with um, with her handing out Adderall to the kids and making a big deal of it, and, and her homeschooling them with the secret that definitely was <laughs> was unique. And um, and I thought yeah. What's you know
1: I, it's unique. Yeah,
2: yeah I thought yeah. that added an element of kind of where they were coming from. Um, so uh, and and then and then I loved the inter- interview. I, I um, there's a scene where she's doing the interview with the Vanity Fair reporter that I. That I really took the dialogue from Um, it's all from the transcripts of the real interview and um, but yeah I can't remember how I went through it but just I I didn't want to I wanted to keep it in balance and I didn't want to have that character have a reality show because then it just felt like a whole other story I wanted to keep it just a slice of that that moment but just have a little impression of the their life at home.
1: Did you do a, did you study the Church of the Secret?
2: No, so I, I got a book and I kind yeah. of looked at it, but I didn't really take it's it all in.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. I was surprised
2: okay. that there isn't a curriculum for homeschooling, that it's such right. a free With for all. With the Church all. of the Secret, I yeah. know, she
1: seems to have developed that on her own. <laughs> yeah. It's admirable, yeah. Uh, I was wondering that, uh, did those kids actually brag about those actually in a school? I mean, I just saw the film today. I was
2: wondering that did they do, did those kids actually brag about at robbery in, in a school like that in school? Yeah. He he asked if they uh, bragged about the robbery in school. Um, yeah, it was my impression from from other kids that how they got arrested were uh, because they were talking about it at parties at these valley parties, and then they're posting pictures on Facebook of them with the stuff, and um, and and people called in and said, oh yeah, so and so was talking about that, so they weren't they were they were proud of it. They were.
1: Mm. yes over
2: here oh yeah i guess um after i finish a movie i'm i take a little break and then figure out what um i'm drawn to and so with this but i'm never sure what's going to be and then with this i um yeah at first i didn't think i would i just thought it'd be a, a fun movie but i didn't really think i would do it and then i i read more about it and got into it and um I got maybe like watching other movies. I remember, I remember thinking about to die for, which I, which was based on a real story, and I loved mm. um, how Gus Van Sant made, made made that. It had a little bit of a that had more of a documentary kind of collage feeling. Back and forth, yeah, yeah, where forth, the characters right? are talking to the camera. Yeah. but um, wait, so how do I approach the script? Is that wh- yeah. yeah? I guess with original when. It, when I wrote an original script, I had little bits of, um, idea, like for loss of translation, I had little ideas for scenes and I would just write notes and almost like little short stories of moments for scenes. And then finally had enough of them that I started to kind of piece them together. Um, and then this one, it's based on material. I, I had a big binder of all these transcripts from the journalists and I just went through them kind of highlighting anything that I thought was interesting and then looking at how to string those pieces together into a story. And, um, and it was kind of a puzzle with all the robberies. I remember having like index cards all over my wall, trying to figure out the, the, um, the series of, of balancing the, the robberies and what they're doing is, is so redundant because they're doing the same thing over and over again. So, Kind of making that um, the pattern for the story um, but it's always mysterious to me I I find writing really hard and um, and somehow you get get through it to the end but um, it's always a it's always a struggle
1: want to shift gears for one second ask a technical question this is the first time that you've shot um, digitally um, and you shot on the red so I was just wondering what the experience was like for you and how it was how it felt different.
2: Yeah, I um, I love film so much. I was really hesitant to move into the modern world, and but it, it it seemed suited for this movie, and I thought it was really fun. It was fun to see what you were shooting right away, and um, and on some big beautiful monitor. But I did find that it was more passive, and um, because I'd find myself hanging out at the monitor, and I have to remind myself to go back on set and participate. Because I was, yeah, you feel like you're sitting in front of this big TV w- watching your m- movie, mm-hmm. and um, and it's different than. The mode of ma- making your movie. Yes. So I I've never used monitors before. I've always um, just been at the camera and had like a little clamshell to take the shot. But I've never yeah. been one of those people that sits by a monitor. So that was a little bit um, you know kind of tempting. Mm-hmm. But um, I was happy with the the result. And um, as far as the crew, like it didn't seem that that much different. I thought you could you still have to light it and and it's you still need um, it's it's not it wasn't so different the the crew size or the way the approach but I, I think the only thing different was being able to watch it as you go
1: did you change anything in post um,
2: I think we had, we had little things to clean up that were easier mm-hmm. to, to remove or change things but yeah. um, but I'm not in the habit of, of fixing it plus I'm used to film so yeah. there were little things and it was easier and I think just um, mixing the surveillance footage and um, I'm trying to think yeah yeah mm.
1: mm. Uh, yeah all the way in the back I guess dovetailing off the question around the process I was curious about the fact that the movie is based on real events did that ever feel like a creative constraint and how did you overcome it Uh,
2: yeah I think because because I made it I wasn't because I made it fictionalized and I changed their names I felt more freedom to um (laughs) to change things but i i really liked basing it on the real material because that was so interesting to me so it really is based on um on the real facts but then i i didn't feel i felt that i could change things as i needed um because it you know i changed their names and and i could kind of make it my own and i combined characters a lot of times with real stories there's more characters involved that it would be confusing in a movie so you can you know combine them and make them a, a smaller group to be able to follow mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: that, can you just wait mm-hmm. for the microphone
2: you come such a, from such a large family and you direct a lot of your your relatives how is it how did it, how does it, how do you feel directing your relatives like Jason and Marie Antoinette? Oh, I mean, it was fun to do Moran's Not with Jason because, you know, we grew up together and um, I love Jason and also he's so entertaining and and fun to have around. So it's nice, um, you you know, it just feels like an extension of um, your time together and and it's always nice to have that familiarity on set and and Kirsten I've known since she was 16. So, uh, you know, I I think of her like family. So um, it's, you know, it always makes it, you know, nice to have people that you're close to yeah mm-hmm. thank you thanks
1: uh yeah when you're making a film uh
0: do you have any favorite films or filmmakers that you can solve <coughs> to inspire you or to guide your direction
1: oh yeah i mean
2: i definitely have movies that i love and um and i think with each movie you think about um uh references for that partic- particular one and um, um i'm trying to think for this i mean i, I was thinking of over the edge just, and boxes for the kind of the spirit of these kids frustrated in their life and wanting to, to grow up. And, um, and, uh, I don't know with loss. I was thinking with like, with loss in translation, I loved brief encounter, which, um, had this mm-hmm. relationship with the restraint. So there's definitely, um, and with Marie Antoinette, there was, um, the, the movie with, um, was it was it called Listomania? The one, the Franz Liszt List movie. Yeah. Um, now I think of it. Yeah. Roger Daltrey. Yes, and I thought about that where they have um, they have paparazzi with snapshot cameras and uh, ice cream sundays, but it's you know it takes place. It's about Franz Liszt. So that kind of that they had that pop freedom. So definitely, I, um, movies will
1: influence what I'm working on. What about somewhere? Is there
2: something somewhere? Oh, Harris showed me a, um, a Chantal Ackerman film. Um it was an address of a woman in Yeah, Jean Dillman. Jean yeah. He showed me that and that they ha- it has takes in real time that go um that go on and on and, and that and that got me excited about the idea of shooting things more in real time and and and, and just having one shot go on. Yeah.